Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Yeah, okay. Hey, well, good morning, everybody. Um, welcome to Gastry. Shout out everybody who is tuning in online. It is always such a joy to get to be together and to engage in the Word of the Lord. And man, you know what? I'm just looking around as we're worshiping and I'm just thinking, man, I love the church. I don't think there are many places like, like the church where, where we can gather so many of us, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, different spectrums of the journey of faith, hundreds literally of stories in the room here today. The Lord just doing different things and um, I, I counted a privilege to be with you this morning and uh, we get to do this. I think there are a lot of places in the world where this doesn't happen so freely. And so let's never take for granted the fact that we can gather whether we're in the room or whether we're online um, like we're doing so today. Are you doing good by the way? Just talk back to me, are you doing good? Um, are you having a good morning so far? We are, if, if you're just crashing into this morning, we're in a, a collection of talks that we're calling Kingdom in the City. And I guess the conversation that we're having is, what does it look like to take this experience or I guess our faith into our sphere of influence, whether you're working in the corporate world and healthcare and creative, come on, shout out the creatives, whether you're an actor or whether you work, I don't know, wherever you are, whether you're a homemaker, I mean, yes. So, so we, we, we're having conversations around what that might look like and we're all learning together. And, um, and you know, that's why this is just so awesome because we can share stories. Stories are already coming in, just what the Lord is doing, people stepping out in faith as a part of the series. We're doing scatter sessions midweek where we're gathering in groups and we're learning again what it means, practical tools, what it means to go out into our world and to make disciples. Here's a story that came in. Uh, this week, this is someone who uh, I guess had a couple of gentlemen come to the door, Jehovah's Witnesses knocked on the door. And you know, I don't know if that's happened to you, but, but immediately she's saying that, look, she wanted them to go away, okay? Um, I don't know if that's your experience, but here's what she said in this letter um, that she wrote in. She said, I felt the Holy Spirit said to me, don't close the door, talk to them, share the gospel. They said, hello. And they told me that they've been asking people what they believe and they would like to know my thoughts. In my head, I was praying, asking the Holy Spirit um, that He helped me. By the way, in about a minute and a half, I'm gonna ask for one person to run up here and just maybe share a story, a fresh story from this week or the last couple of weeks of what the Lord maybe has, has, has done in your life in terms of sharing the gospel. So just be thinking, you wanna run up here in just a moment. Uh, back to the story. In my head, I was praying, uh, asking the Holy Spirit to, to help me. And I felt the Holy Spirit um, very strongly. So I started to speak about how much the Father loves us and He sent His beloved Son. I talked to them about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, opened how He opened the way for us. Because of Jesus, we have communion with the Father. Because of Jesus, we are saved. I told them that Jesus not only saved me, but He also healed my heart and set me free from my pain. Jesus, the Son of God, as He was wanting to have relationship with Him, it was unbelievable how I spoke. In English, the words came to my mouth. I spoke with eloquence. It wasn't me. You know that English is not my first language. So sometimes I struggle because I don't feel confident. I saw the men were receptive as sponges soaking up all I was saying. 
I felt the power of God moving on them. The old man told me, tell me more. They couldn't say anything to me. They said, you speak with such power. And because they said that, I told them about the Holy Spirit. I told them about my experience with the Holy Spirit, that He's a person, He is God, He is our helper, gives strength. And through Him, we can receive revelation of the Father. It's crazy. I said, hey, you should pray and ask God to bring you revelation so you can experience this Holy Spirit. So you can see what Jesus did for us on the cross. He is the only way to the Father. You know, if you pray, He will show you. The men were absolutely receptive. They couldn't speak anymore. They looked at one another and they were surprised. They told me, we've never heard somebody who speaks with such passion and power. Isn't that amazing? Um, You know, just someone stepping out in faith. I just wonder, uh, just very briefly, is there anyone who could just run up here very quickly? Just even this week, you've got a fresh story. You come up, just come forward. Quick 60 seconds, I'll just quickly scan the room. Anybody, you got a fresh story you'd like to come and encourage us with of faith this week? Uh, going, going, gone. Awesome. John chapter 11. Let's get into the Word. Um, I'm gonna catch up on your Bible reading this week. I don't know how much uh, studying you've been doing, but I'm gonna read you a, a massive portion of Scripture. Uh, John chapter 11, 35, here's what it says. Jesus wept. Um, oh, <laughs> I wanna share a few thoughts um, this morning from the subject, Jesus wept. Let's pray, Father, um, thank you that you are here with us today. We thank you for your Word that is not dead, but alive, active, sharper than a double-edged sword. God, your Word that's able to get into the spaces and places in our lives that perhaps nothing else can, can get into. Father, pray that your Word brings healing if it needs to this morning. Pray that it brings courage in some of us, strength. Pray that God, it brings clarity. So many questions in the room. Pray just, it brings just, yeah, just restoration in the house this morning. In Jesus' name. And someone said, can we thank Eden for helping me uh, sound spiritual this morning? Thank you, Eden. Awesome. Jesus wept. So um, audience participation, by a show of hands in the room, who are my friends in the room that are criers? You are a crier. Anything can set you off. Like someone sneezes and you are done. You are, you are crying. Who struggles in this department? Maybe like me, you, you, you sometimes wait. You're like, you think this is the moment. Yes, that's you, sir. You're like, yeah, this is the moment. I, I've always wondered why some people find it easier to cry and others don't, whether it's a happy or a sad moment or a movie. I, I found out recently after some extensive research, which I'd like to share with you, that there are three types of tears. Each have their own job. They flow from the tear ducts for different reasons. Firstly, there are basal tears. These are regular tears that, you know, they're working for you right now. Blinking helps to keep the eyes moist and working. They provide clear vision. Irritant tears. These tears gush out of the glands um, just underneath your eyebrows. Uh, they, they come when you peel onions. Any onion peeler cries in the room today? That's you. Yep, one or two of us. When you feel nauseous when you get something, a bit of debris stuck in your eye. When I was younger and I got something stuck in my eye, my grandmother would literally stick her tongue in my eyeball and blow to get it out. I say to my wife, Beck, sometimes when she gets something stuck in her eye, in fact, this happened yesterday, would you like me to stick my tongue in your eyeball? She said, no. 
that's, that's nasty, uh, irritant tears. Emotional tears, they rise up from strong emotions, empathy, compassion, physical pain. They, they communicate our emotions, whether it's grief, love, or passion. They often connect people, these tears. And according to my extensive research, emotional tears contain more stress hormones and natural painkillers than other types of tears. They can serve as a therapeutic role. Part of the healing process, always also known as a good cry. Anybody enjoy a good cry every now and then? Who had one this morning? Be honest, you had a good cry for no apparent reason. Yeah, okay, one or two of you. Good reason, I'm sure. Um, I, I, I can understand the emotional tears because I cry emotional tears about once a month when I look at my bills these days. Yeah. Yeah, I do. It's, it's tough. I cry when I wear these loafers on my feet because, well, I want it to look cool this morning. But in actual fact, I've got 17 plasters on my feet and I'm in absolute agony. So do pray for me. I tend to cry and complain. Then I cry in the movie Crazy Rich Asians where, yeah, where, 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 where the daughter says, gives the mother-in-law a piece of her mind. She tells her that she's worth it. Come on. And um, I, I love an underdog story. I still cry when Mufasa... Uh, transitions um, in The Lion King. And, you know, he transitioned a long time ago. So, so I, you know, that, 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 still, that still gets me. Um, so I, I, I tend to get a little bit weepy over things that I can't change. So when I read the text, Jesus wept, I'm wondering, what on earth can Jesus not change? The God of the universe. The Lion of Judah, the Rose of, of Sharon, the, the mystery of the Old Testament, the human of the New Testament, Jesus wept. Here's what happened, because you're all wondering. I encourage you to do this later on, but when you read the story of Jesus and Lazarus, when you read about their friendship, I can't help but feel the heaviness of the text literally jump out of the pages and sit beside me. My question for the text this morning is how could Lazarus be dead? Lazarus wasn't an older guy. You know, he was, he was a young guy, still had a few years ahead of him. He was healthy. He was just a dude who, whenever Jesus came to town, he said, hey, Jesus, Whenever you're in town, come and have a flat white at my place. Come and, come and put your feet up. And so whenever Jesus came to Bethany, he would hang out with Lazarus's family, Mary and Martha, his sisters. He had a close friendship with them. They were boys. They would hang out. Uh, in verse three of our chapter, uh, Jesus hears that his mate Lazarus is sick. In fact, the only thing missing from Lord, your dear friend is very sick is any kind of request that Jesus would do something about it. And in one sense, it's not necessary because of the relationship that they had, the close friendship that they had. They understood that merely making the request known to Jesus, He would do something about it. That's why every prayer meeting that we put on is so important. That's why we can never take these moments for granted where you and I can lift a hand, drop down to our knees because that is a signal to the Lord 
that asks him to do something about it. In verse four to five of chapter 11, it says, but when Jesus heard about it, Lazarus is sick. He said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. I mean, John is reminding us here that Jesus really loved these guys. It's almost unique in its phrasing. John makes a point to name them. He loved them individually. He, he loved them personally. If you're gonna love me, love me personally, love me individually. That's what love does, it, it names. And therefore the next verse makes no sense to me. Verse six says he stayed there where he was for two more days. I love them so much that I'm not gonna respond to their need. Like Jesus did some nuts things sometimes, you know. I love them so much, I'm not even gonna respond. A question for the room, have you ever gone to Jesus expecting Him to do something based on the strength of your relationship with Him because all the years you've served Him and you just knew that if He was gonna come through for anyone, it was gonna be for you. Because whenever He needed you, you were there for Him. This Scripture is actually difficult to preach. It's almost embarrassing because it stands in complete contrast to everything I've ever been taught about about Jesus who is near to the brokenhearted, who, is, who saves the crushed in spirit, Jesus who heals in response to faith, Jesus who stopped crowds for people. But a loitering Jesus, his best friend, in a moment where he needed him the most, how could you not come, Jesus? I've needed him in the last couple of weeks. I've needed him, a couple of tough conversations in my world where I thought, my faith is not working right now. God, what is going on? Which if I'm honest with you, has left me a little bit disheartened and discouraged and asking God why I've understood Mary and Martha in this moment more than ever this week. Verse 11 to 15, Jesus says, our friend, Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. Come on, common sense. They thought Jesus literally meant that he was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant, no, 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 Lazarus is dead. So he simply told them, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I am glad because I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Look, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad are two phrases that just shouldn't sit next to each other. That just shouldn't happen. But you know what? Jesus knew. Friend, he always knows. In our uncertainty, he is beyond certain. In our cloudy spiritual vision sometimes, he's, he always knows he could see what the disciples couldn't see. He could be glad because even though his good friend Lazarus was dead, he knew how the story would end. He knew that by the end of this chapter that grief would be comforted. Life would be restored. Many more people would believe in him and he knew, and I'm gonna show you this in a moment, that his necessary death would be set in motion. 
By the end of this chapter, he knew that the story doesn't end here, that in fact it ends on the cross. He knew that the reaction of the religious leaders will be that we must kill Jesus now. He knew. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told Lazarus has already been in the grave four days. Classic Jesus. I needed you four days ago. Anyone else been there? I needed you four days ago. How can you love me and be late? Classic Jesus. Martha said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Martha gets her sister Mary. Mary, Mary gets to Jesus, says the same thing. Lord, if you had been there, my brother would have died. I don't know who else has had a similar sentiment. In the last season, verse 32, Lord, if you had been there, Jesus says, where have you put him? Woo! Jesus says, where have you put him? They take him. They said, Lord, come and see. Scripture says, verse 35, Jesus wept. Listen, I've got to pause there because, because everything I understand about Jesus is shattered in this verse. Everything. Everything. This is the first time we see Jesus cry. I didn't know Jesus cried. They betrayed him and he didn't cry. They lied on him, ran him out of cities and he didn't cry. The first time I find out that I serve a God who cries. The teeny, tiniest verse in all of the Bible, perhaps the greatest, perhaps the strongest, the first time we realise that God is like us. He gets tired sometimes. Oh, oh, he, he sometimes gets weary, cries, emotional tears. The first time he stopped doing the God stuff and does the man stuff, stopped everything, Jesus wept. You know, Jesus wept is so profound because it means for you and I, it means that I can tell him my secrets means I can talk to him about anything. It is in John 11:35 that I understand that he's not just power, that he's not just might, he's not just strength, he's, he's not just holiness, but also that his heart breaks for what breaks mine. Oh, what a, what a kind God we serve. They never told me that Jesus swept on you, they didn't tell us. They didn't tell us that, that Jesus wept. They told us that he's, he's the cloud by day, He's the fire by night, that He's the deliverer. Oh, He's, he's the Lion of Judah. That's what they told us. That He was the Lamb that was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. They never told me that Jesus wept. I thought at times, I've been crying by myself. I had to be vulnerable. I thought at times, man, I was crying. I've been crying by myself. So what I do sometimes, no one else does this but me in the room. I sometimes hide my tears. I sometimes hide my tears. At times, I resist the altar on a Sunday to get prayer. Sometimes I don't, I don't come forward. Some of you, maybe you're resisting the scatter group. In midweek, you're resisting giving, resisting serving. At times, I've resisted friendship and community, well, because I felt hurt. I, feel, I keep myself to myself at times because I feel safe there. Maybe that's you in the room today. 
been crying by yourself, perhaps you just need to know today that you don't cry alone. You don't cry alone. Let me talk for a moment to the gentleman in the house. Excuse us for a moment, ladies. It's every brother that has wiped a tear on the way home, I don't know, on a bus, on a train, and hid your tears because I don't know, you felt pressure. You've looked at things and you thought, how's this gonna work? I'm on my own. I wanna let you know you, you're not, you don't cry alone. You never did. To every person that cries themselves to sleep sometimes at night, we, we will never know. We will never know what you go through. We'll never know what you have to face. We'll never know the challenges. I'm praying and I'm letting you know today that you do not cry alone to every young person, every young adult, every millennial in the house, my generation. You felt misunderstood. I know what it is to be misunderstood. You felt confused about who you are. You're not on your own. It's every CEO, every CFO, every pastor, every leader that's had to make a tough call recently. Some of you tomorrow morning, you've got a tough call to make. But here you are, you know, you're looking good. I'll let you know that you, you're not alone. If you're still wondering, by the way, what this has to do with kingdom in the city, what this has to do with the scatter, well, it has everything to do with kingdom in the city. It has everything to do with the scatter. Jesus wept it is the perfect example of this. For me, it's the blueprint. It's, it's, it's the vision. I can't get past it. Because how can we reach a world if we're not willing to weep with those who weep? If we're not willing to mourn with those who mourn? If the scatter is gonna work, if kingdom in the city is, is, is gonna work, what we need is depth. Depth in relationship. What this is for the most part is surface level. We don't have enough time to get into it on a Sunday morning. We, we don't have enough time to, to, to catch up. But if this is gonna work, if, if we're gonna be packed out here, if we have to add gatherings and get new buildings, if the Lord is gonna move mightily in Birmingham, we're gonna need depth of relationship. It doesn't become supernatural if it remains superficial. It doesn't, it doesn't. You, you actually have to care. This doesn't work if you do not care. It doesn't work. I'm not gonna ask you when the last time you and I saw somebody come to faith, we stepped out in faith, doesn't matter. But I'm just reminding you that if we don't start here, if we don't start here, it's not gonna work. This is a love letter. Jesus wept is, is a love letter. Maybe not the one you're expecting with Valentine's Day coming up, you know, this week. It's a love letter. Oh, and remember, love's a verb. Yeah, it's a doing word. 1 Corinthians 13, come on. If I could speak all the languages of, uh, of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I'd be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Listen, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of talk, 
But what I'm looking for in this season is, is a better walk. I'm looking for those who would be bold in this season, who'd be brave, who'd, who'd step out in faith, who'd trust God and believe the Lord to do miraculous things and, and to lead people to Jesus. I'm looking for the walkers. Are there any walkers in the house this morning? The scatter's gonna work, we, we need to step out. If I had the gift of prophecy and I didn't understand all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that could move mountains but I didn't love others, come on. Come on. Come on. Love is patient. Love is kind. Listen, keep your gifts, okay? Keep, we're not impressed by by, by your level of seniority in whatever you do. If you can't show love, uh, it's not gonna matter. It's not impressive. Love is patient, it's kind, it's not jealous or boastful or rude. Oh, I'll just tell it how it is. Yeah, I'm the truth teller. Yeah, love, love doesn't do that all the time. You know, it doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It doesn't keep a record of being wrong. It, wronged, it, it doesn't rejoice about, the in, about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Look, look, I know I can be hard work sometimes, okay? But listen, when you see me coming in church, don't, don't avoid me. <laughs> don't, don't look the other way. I know sometimes I, I need you to not give up on me. Some of you, you've, you've given up. Oh, if I do anything this morning, is I wanna reignite your faith. I wanna get you to, to, to wake up. Love never gives up, it never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. You get my point. I don't know if this could only be the blueprint for marriage and wedding days, but could this be the blueprint for kingdom in this city? Could it be? I'm just asking the question. Perhaps for the scatter, friends, Jesus wept. While not directly linked to evangelism, Jesus wept has to be where we start. It, it profoundly embodies some key principles that are central to kingdom in the city, central to the scatter. Let me give you a few. Number one, if you're taking notes, I love note takers, by the way, you're my friends. Number one, compassion has to be at the center of the scatter. Has to be. Jesus wept reflects a deep compassion and empathy for Lazarus, for Lazarus' sister Mary and Martha, for, and for all who were mourning. This is, what, this is what kingdom in the city and the scatter is about. It's about the sharing of the good news of Jesus, not just in words, but in love. If we're having this conversation truly over the next few weeks, which, which we are, uh, let's talk about weeping with those who weep. Let's, let's talk about feeling as Jesus felt this, that this doesn't work until we can get to that place. A place of deep friendship. I know our lives are hectic. I know we're busy. I know we're trying to build and, you know, it's, it's hectic. But Jesus' entire ministry was marked by acts of compassion, often leading to healing, both physical and spiritual. He, you know, touching the un unclean lepers, releasing healing in response to faith, you name it. And these acts, keyword, opened, often opened doors for relationship with God. This scripture gives us permission to be human, to take off sometimes the holy suit 
and just be. Just strip down to how at times we really feel. This is next level. To understand that I serve a God who can relate to me when I'm frustrated, when I'm empty, when I'm tired, when I'm at the end of my rope. Have you not heard? Did you not know that Jesus wept? Compassion has to be central in this season. I'm not saying go and start an NGO. Don't do that. Some of you, perhaps. But just take take 30 seconds sometimes to ask the person behind the coffee counter, hey, how are you? You know, sometimes they can be like, hi, what can I get you? Which stresses me to the max. But it's always an opportunity to say, no, hang on. How are you doing? How are you? Just take 30 seconds next time. Take a minute. We have, to, we, have to, we have to see people. We have to see people. Let me move on for the sake of time. Compassion has to be central. Here's what else needs to be central on this theme is, is presence. Presence. We have to be. Jesus was fully present in the moment of grief. Though he missed the funeral, come on, Jesus. Kingdom in the city, you know what we need this year is presence. We need presence, presence in friendships, present managers, present leaders, present CEOs, present husbands, present wives, present sons, present daughters, present siblings, presence. We have to be engaged. I suspect that if Matthew 28, 19 is gonna work, go into all the world and make disciples, suspect that if it's, not gonna, it's not gonna work if you and I are not present in the room, taking a moment. It's not just a job that you're in. It's not just a job, it's it's a mission field. You're on assignment. It's not, it's, it's, not a, it's not for those who've got microphones in their hands. Man, it's, it's just you and I who, who, who are out there. Who are out there doing the work of the Lord. This being present means more than just physical proximity. It's about caring at its most basic level as a starting point. Here's the last thing as the band come up and, and play something by Justin or Taylor. Um, Jesus wept at points to a greater hope. I'm kidding on the Taylor thing or Justin, okay? Jesus, Jesus wept points to a greater hope. You see, this is actually a game-changing moment in the gospel narrative. Gospel, you know, we use a lot of like churchy words. You know, some of you, maybe, you know, you're not familiar with the space. Um, so yeah, I apologize about that. But you know, gospel um, being the, the good news that, that the Lord knows you, calls you by name, loves you so much that he died for you so that you wouldn't have to be a slave to some of the things that have been pushed on us by the world, decisions we've made, but that actually you might live in complete freedom. And the guys will give you an opportunity in a moment to make a decision today by faith to receive Jesus into your life and start a brand new journey, draw, draw a line in the sand. But this is a game-changing moment in the gospel narrative because Lazarus set it off. He was the last 
Straw. Caiaphas or Cephas, who was the high priest. Let me tell you, if it wasn't for this moment, he wouldn't have hated Jesus enough to stir up a plot to kill Him. If it wasn't for this moment and what was about to happen, the leading priests and the Pharisees later on in the chapter, you can go and read it. I hope you do. They said, this man clearly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow Him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in Him. Jesus' wept is starting to make sense as I'm reading on to me. Get this, Jesus needed Lazarus to die. Needed Lazarus to die for him. And hang on, this is not supposed to, this is not how it's supposed to work. Jesus, you're supposed to die for me. Jesus needed Lazarus to die for him. Listen, a side note, sometimes things need to die for you to discover your own purpose. Okay, if you don't kill it in your 20s, you're gonna wrestle with it in your 30s. If you don't kill it in your 30s, you're gonna be fighting it in your 40s and so on. You get my drift. That's why the Bible says, when you hear my voice, some of you that's today. When you hear my voice, harden not your heart and come. Lazarus was the sign that Jesus was waiting for. His dying was the sign that He had enough people that hated Him for God to prepare a table. So yes, I too have wondered, like you're wondering, Jesus, why on earth would you weep when you knew that you would very soon call Lazarus out the grave? Maybe he was crying because of what his friend did. That his friend loved him enough to go first. That his friend loved him enough to be late because he was faithful to the end. Maybe that's what moved Jesus. Listen, I can't, I can't talk to you this morning about loving your neighbour, if about kingdom in the city without talking about loving your neighbour. I'm not saying go on a weeping spree this week. Don't do that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying if this is gonna work, if our conversations of the next few weeks is gonna work, we need to go beyond the surface in relationships. We have to care, we have to love. There is no scatter without love. John 13, 34 says, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And I close with this, verse 34, Jesus wipes His face. Wipes His face and says, show me. Show me where you put it. I'm off peace now, I may as well stay there. But I hear the Lord say to some of you this morning, show me. Show me where you gave up. Show me where you got stuck. Talk to a lot of, talk to a lot of people who are stuck. Stuck in their faith, stuck in life. Don't know where they got stuck. Lord says, show me where you got stuck. Show me where you stopped believing. Show me where you gave up hope. Show me where you decided that this was the end of the story. Show me. Show me where you 
place where you decided that it is what it is, that nothing else was gonna happen in your life. Because some of you, some of you, you only come to church now because of your kids. Because we've got a good kids program, but you gave up. I hear the Lord say, take me, take me to that place. Take me to the place where it got hard and, and you stopped trusting and you're now just going through the motions. You just rock up on a Sunday. No one knows your name. You come because, you know, the vibe is good. Whatever that is, you know, you come because, wow, the aesthetics, wow, the music. Oh, the Lord in this season is maturing us. He's taking us beyond the music. Beyond the vibe, beyond the black and brick. I mean, come on, look at these windows. Beyond that. It says, show me. Oh, they led Jesus to the tomb. You can't make this stuff up. Okay, I need to finish. They led Jesus to, where, where by the way, he would soon be carried to the tomb. I don't know if you're getting this. This is a dress rehearsal. Yeah, then he says something that challenges the disciples' faith. He says, he says this, get this, it's profound. He says, roll the stone away. <laughs> oh, they start whispering. <sighs> Jesus is gonna, it's gonna stink in there. He's been dead four days. I'm still off peace. The Lord wants you to take him to the places in your life that stink. Yeah, this is profound wisdom from the scriptures this morning. He wants you to take him to the places in your life that are embarrassing. That perhaps, ah, no one can see this. I mean, if people, if people knew, that's where he wants to hang out. Right now you got your Sunday best on, you know. Listen, there's a stone that you have to roll away. Yeah, yeah, there's a stone that you have to roll away this morning. Four days. Sometimes God will wait until the fourth day. And it's annoying. Because according to the Lord, the Sadducees, they believe that the Spirit didn't leave the body until after the third day. And so Jesus waited until the fourth day so there would be no question that it was He who performed the miracle here. Sometimes he'll, he'll wait until the midnight hour. Who feels like they're in the midnight hour right now? Like God, like if you don't come through now. Come on, just two of you, okay. Sometimes you'll, sometimes you'll wait until the midnight hour. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven, had a private conversation, which they allowed us to eavesdrop in. Just stand to your feet quickly, I'll close. Jesus talked to the Lord. He said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all the people standing here so they will believe that you sent me. Lazarus, I wasn't gonna leave you in the grave. I needed a witness to testify that I'm stronger than sin, I'm stronger than death, I'm stronger than the grave. I needed a witness, Lazarus, thank you for being my witness. Hear the Lord say to His church this morning, thank you for being my witness. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Guess who the greatest testimony in your world is. It's you. Let this be a reminder this morning. 
You're the greatest testimony to ever walk into the office tomorrow morning. You're the greatest testimony to ever raise your kids. This, this is the God of, of our grandparents. My grandmother would pray. Like, like she had a testimony. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that a brother like me is, is, is holding a microphone today and is encouraging you around the Word of the Lord. Let me tell you, that's a miracle. It's, it's a testimony. The greatest testimony is you. So come on, Lazarus, come out. Come out of the grave. Father, I thank You this morning for Your faithfulness to us, Your children. Oh, take us to deeper levels of friendship, of relationship, of community. Remind us again. Thank you for the reminder that you are just faithful. What a mighty God we serve. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.